Hey everybody and welcome to Metallicast, my friends of misery. I am the host of Metallicast, the Metallica podcast, and your fellow Metallica fan. My name is Brandon. Now you might be wondering, what is Metallicast, my friends of misery? Well, these are special episodes not hosted by me, the host. Uh, I have to take a step back from the podcast for a few months. For nothing bad, uh, actually happy stuff. I have a newborn at home, uh, but I have a newborn on top of uh, having a two-year-old, on top of having a full-time day job that pays the bills. So I got to just take a few months off, tend to my family, tend to my job, get in a new routine, figure out what the hell I am doing with myself and with two young kids at home. And my goal being that I will be back for a fourth anniversary celebration in December. And in the meantime, I've asked friends of mine to step in and guest host. And I've asked them, you know, do what you want to do. Share a personal Metallica story. Choose a Metallica topic that has not been covered yet by Metallicast. Whatever you want to do, do your thing. And I'm sure it'll be great. Uh, that 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 was all I asked them, and they were uh, several friends were kind enough to step in, step up, and help me out uh, during these few months because I did not want to go three months or so without providing any new content for all of you in the Metallicast Monday Show. So this is my way of giving you some new content while also being able to take a break and deal with the real world for a little bit. But like I said. I will be back, hopefully in time for the fourth anniversary. You can follow me on social media at MetallicastPod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I will be active on there during this whole time. Uh, So you can stay tuned to social media for more updates on my triumphant, epic return on my quest for world domination. But in all seriousness, a huge thank you to the guests. And please follow me on social and continue to interact with me in there. Otherwise, I'm really going to miss all of you. (laughs) myself is not gonna cry um but you know all good positive stuff and these will be episodes that if you like even after i return i would love to do more my friends of misery episodes where guests host come in and have free reign of the show i think that could be a cool thing down the road so let me know what you think of our guest host and of these special episodes of metallicast before we jump into the my Friends of Misery episode, I do want to give a huge thank you to Hector Castro, the man behind my favorite one-man band, Bison out of the UK. Check out the links in the episode description. Bison provides all the original music that you hear in this episode and all Metallicast episodes, including the epic Creeping Death introduction. Sorry, I just have to get as many James Hatfield impressions in as I can because I'm going to have a few months where... I'm not going to be able to do it, at least for all of you. Ooh, let me get Dave Mustaine one into. Ooh, yeah. All right. I think I got it out of my system. Oh, now I lied. Ooh. All right, now I think I got it out of my system. And now, here is Metallicast. My friends of misery. Yeah. Till next time, ladies and gentlemen. Middle up your ass. Yeah.
Hello and welcome to Metallicast, a Metallica podcast. I am your host. My name is Scott Haskin. Some of you guys may know me from my show, the Haskin Cast podcast. Some of you guys may know me from my show, Uriah Heap, the Magicians podcast. Some of you guys may know me from music that I've put out into the world. Some of you may know me from books I put out into the world. Some of you may know me from films I've scored. Probably not. Some of you guys may not know me at all, and that is just fine. I am a huge fan of Metallica and have great respect for those guys for what they've given us, really changed the face of music in many ways, and that is why I'm here. I am so grateful to Brandon for giving me the opportunity to do the show. Thank you very much, Brandon. Had a great time when he came on my show talking about the song I Won't Mind off of the Wonder World album. That was released in March of this year. We did uh, a, a really long show, so I broke it down into four parts. And each one's around a half an hour. Uh, but I had a great time talking to him on the show. It's a great song. So if you guys want to check that out, um, I've sent over the link. Should be available in the show notes for the first episode and the rest are all just there. It's pretty much available on all of your major podcast platforms. Stitcher, Podbean, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google, uh, Amazon, all those places. But uh, yeah, I had a great time with Brandon. He's a great guy. I love this show that he does. It's my favorite Metallica podcast. It's also the only one I listen to. So he would have won by default, but I've checked out a couple of the other shows and, and I just love Brandon's approach. I love his topics. I love how passionate he is about the band. Uh, I am too. I had a really unique uh, experience with the order of the albums that I came across, which is not the order that they came out in. I discovered them a little bit later than a lot of people, but we'll get into that. First, I'll give you guys a brief history on me. I am a composer, an author, a podcaster, obviously, and uh, I am an audio engineer and a drummer. I don't like to sit still unless I'm doing podcasts and then I don't like to move around. Um, my first podcast was the Haskin Cast podcast where I interview different people in the entertainment world, everybody from the behind the scenes folks to people that are in front of the camera or are on stage. I've interviewed people from Cirque du Soleil. I've interviewed... Uh, my One of my favorites was my friend Abby, who was behind the scenes at Cirque du Soleil. She does the costuming and laundry uh, for one of the shows or did because that show doesn't exist anymore. And just fascinating all the work that goes into these productions that you really don't think about, like these 6,000 loads of laundry a month for one of the shows. Um, and, and that was really what started the show is I wanted people to start to appreciate the art that they see from a deeper angle. You know, it's not just that you're seeing this fantastic show, but there's so many things that you don't think about that go into it, like the laundry or the the gaffers and, you know, all the rigging and all those things. So I wanted to bring a lot of that to light. But then I started getting the opportunity to interview people that you might know, such as Loretta Swit from MASH, Dee Wallace from E.T. and Cujo. And she also has her own uh, radio show every Sunday. Um Eileen Graff from Mr. Belvedere. I got to interview Graham Bonnet from Rainbow Alcatraz and the Graham Bonnet Band and uh, Bethany Heavenstone, who is his bass player as well. Um, just some really amazing people. I got to interview some people from Uriah Heep. I got to interview Mick Box, Russell Gilbrook, Paul Newton and Ken Hensley. It's just been an amazing journey. And I also do a lot of album reviews. There are times when it gets really tricky to schedule guests, so a lot of times I'll just do reviews during those times and share albums that you may know or albums you may not know. 
So it's a lot of fun doing that show. That comes out every Wednesday. My other show, Uriah Heap, The Magician's Podcast, is a show that's starting with their first album, Very Evie, Very Humble. I go through and I review a song at an, uh, per episode. I started with that very first song that was released on that first album. And then from there, I just kind of got crazy and just started banging out episode after episode. So that was originally going to be, I think, once a week. And now I'm doing four shows a week. So Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday is Uriah Heap, the Magician's Podcast. Every Wednesday is the Haskin Cast Podcast. They all come out at 1 a.m. Pacific time and are just there in your podcast per, uh, player, whichever one you're using, and also available to stream on my website at www.scotthaskin.com. Um, all the things are there, all the links to like my SoundCloud, where I have some music, links to all my books and all that sort of thing. So those are the two podcasts that I do as a musician. Um, I've composed music for some films. I did music for a Facebook app, for my own app that I had for a while, and uh, some films, mostly short films, that were just, you know, a lot of fun, a lot of 48-hour film challenges, a lot of films that were passion projects for people. And I just had a good time with it. And then I also do my own music. I have one series called Mentasana, which is all relaxation music, music to help you just calm down, music for meditation, for sleep. Uh, a lot of people use it when they're traveling, when they can't sleep in their hotel because it's an unfamiliar place. They'll put on some mental sauna and it will help them. Some people use it for studying or writing. So it has a lot of uses. Uh, my other series that I was working on was my Haunted Holidays Deadly Christmas series, which is where I took all kinds of classic Christmas stories and twisted them into nightmares. And one person said it took me less than a minute to ruin their entire childhood, which I took as a compliment. So I also do a lot of other music. I mean, I do rock music. Um, I've done some classical music, some symphonies and concertos and things. Uh, so I, I like to just do different things all the time. It really keeps me um, sharp and challenged, which is always fun. And then as an author, I have three books out. The first one was called or is called Becoming an Indie Film Composer, which is all about how to get into the world of doing music for projects like uh, films. And everything, when I went to get into it, everything I found was, here's what you do when you have your $250,000 budget, you're on the scoring stage in Hollywood, you've got your 60-piece orchestra. Um, there was nothing really that told you where to start or how to ever get to Hollywood. So I started taking all my experiences, writing them down, the things that worked, the things that didn't work, and put them all in a book and put it out. It is now in its third and final edition and also available in an audiobook that I narrated, but I didn't really just sit there and read the book. I really used the book as more of a guideline. So the audiobook is a completely different experience. So if you're interested in getting into film composition, that might be a place for you to start. The other two books I currently have out are called What Happened in Vegas. It's a series that I wrote by capturing things that people said while I walk up and down the Vegas Strip here where I live. And I have heard some zany things. I would post them on Facebook. People kind of went mad for it. So I thought, well, I'll just put it in a book and see what happens. And people really seem to like it. So I did a second one. I was almost halfway through the third book when COVID hit. So hopefully one day I'll be able to finish that one and complete the trilogy. Trilogies really seem to be the thing for me. Um, the book series that I have in editing right now hopefully will come out this year. Just depends on the timing of it is called The Universal Court. It is my first nonfiction series, 
and I am uh, just cautiously and patiently awaiting my editor to tell me everything I did wrong so that we can fix it and get it ready to be put out there. Um, but it's a lot of fun. I love writing. I, I love writing music. I love writing stories. Just, just anything that gets out that creative side and some things music is a better format. Some things books are a better format. This one started as a short film that turned into a novel series. So, you know, it's, it's nice to be able to change things up and do things from different angles, uh, really helps keep things fresh and exciting for me as well. So that uh, pretty much sums me up for the most part. And all that stuff, uh, links to everything too, is on my website again at www.scotthaskin.com. And I think there's some links in the show notes as well. And thank you, Brandon, for uh, for allowing me to plug all those things and put that in there for me. I really appreciate it. Really appreciate you letting me do this show. I think it's going to be a lot of fun for me and hopefully for you guys, because you know everybody has unique approaches and experiences with art. We could all experience the same song, the same album, the same concert, the same painting, but we'll all see it differently. We'll all hear it differently. We'll all have different memories of it. And those memories become very visual and very personal to us, even though they were potentially a shared experience, right? So for me, I kind of came into Metallica a little bit later than a lot of my friends. I was really bu busy listening to bands like King Crimson, Rainbow, Michael Schenker, Deep Purple, Uriah Heep, Whitesnake. Those were my uh, key bands, you know, and I, of course, I love a lot of the 80s music, too, because it was just so different. But I fell into Metallica because I started seeing all these jackets. There was a guy in our school that would paint jean jackets. I don't know if you guys remember that art form, but you would paint just an album cover on the back of a jean jacket. He was really good. He did a, a Megadeth one that was uh, uh, virtually flawless. You know, it looked exactly like the album cover. Very talented guy. But I started seeing these uh, ones with crosses on it that turned out to be the Master of Puppets cover. Then I started seeing like a Ride the Lightning jacket. I remember asking a buddy of mine, I'm like, who are these guys, this Metallica band? And so he told me a little bit about them. I, I checked him out. I heard Master of Puppets. And the next day I went back into school. I'm like, dude, this song, that song, Master of Puppets, it's, or what did I call it? I think I called it Master of the Puppets. And he got really mad at me. He's like, it's Master of Puppets. I'm sorry, Metallica, if I cost you any money in revenue by mispronouncing your name when I was like 14 years old. Let me know. I'll send you a check. But uh, it was just, it was so eye-opening. It was a sound that I had never heard before. It was just raw emotion. It was power. It was creative. It was all the things I would want in a band that would eventually become a band that would be one of my favorites, you know? And it was just so new and fresh. I just gobbled it up. I got Master of Puppets. Then I got Ride the Lightning. And then I want to say, okay, so those two were while we were in Michigan still. Then I got... The Kill 'em All, there was a new release of the cassette that came out with uh, Am I Evil and Blitzkrieg. And so that was the one that I got. And then we moved to Colorado. And then the um, Garage Days re-revisited tape came out. I say tape because I would get them on cassette. I also had a couple of the picture discs, though, which were really cool. I, had, I think I had Ride the Lightning and Master of Puppets and maybe Kill 'em All on picture disc. I can't remember now. Wish I had. I still had those. But uh, so then Garage Days Re Revisited came out. And then, of course, the long awaited and Justice for All album and then uh, the Black album. And that's kind of where I fell off a little bit, but not because of Metallica. I know that's where a lot of people fell off because they didn't like the change in the sound. I didn't have a problem with that. I just kind of fell off of listening to bands 
really at all. You know, I got so engrossed in all the things that I was working on that I really didn't make a lot of time for music when I did. It was just stuff I already knew because if I've only got 20 minutes to listen to something while I'm on my ride, I want to listen to comfort music, you know, stuff that I know that's going to make me happy. Don't really feel like being too experimental at that point. But um, so to go back and start with Master of Puppets, like I said, we were still in Michigan. I was in, I want to say my freshman year in high school. It had to have been because it was art class that I talked to my friend Dean and I have really weird associated memories, guys. And um, just fell in love with the song Master of Puppets. I thought it was just so, it was massive. I mean, it's a huge song. It's like 10 minutes long, but it doesn't ever lose my attention. I would have thought that for a piece to be 10 minutes long and me to like it, it better be a full orchestra or something really progressive that's constantly changing. Otherwise, 10 minutes is a long time in my life to invest into a song. But you know what? Even though there's a lot of repetition in the song, it really does just grip me. The, the music, the sound of it, James's voice is amazing. The power of the drums, uh, everything is just, it's just mind-blowing to me. Even now, when I think about it, in terms of how I felt when I first heard it, I, I just feel that excitement all over again. You know, that wonder of how did this happen and what else can these guys do? Just, uh, it was really overwhelming, I think was the biggest word that I can use to describe my introduction to Metallica. But uh, going back to the first track on that album, Battery, which uh, you probably guessed that, I remember my memory with that song is I knew the song, but I didn't really know it very well. And I remember on the last day of my freshman year, my neighbor Jim had snuck a boombox into school. And as soon as the last class was over and we were all out in the hallway, he turned on the boombox and it started playing Battery. And one thing I love about Battery and the same thing I love about Fight Fire with Fire is that these songs start out with just these very intelligently done, almost classical style introductions, and then they just explode into power from their relentless power, both of those songs. And we'll get to Fight Fire with Fire in just a little bit, but uh, Battery is just explosive. It's relentless. It's, it's everything that you would want in a metal song. It just pounds your chest the whole time. And I think it's a fantastic song. I love the mix on this album. Um, I'm also an audio engineer, so I'm very picky about mixes. And I have to say, this album just sounds fantastic right off the bat. It, it's, it's just amazing. It's mixed so well. Um, the Thing That Should Not Be is a really good song. Uh, I like that they kind of brought things down. Because Master of Puppets is not an incredibly fast song, but it has a lot of energy. And I really like that they brought things down, but still kept it interesting and they kept just the same amount of power without the speed in this song, which I, I really admire their ability to do that. They do that quite a bit, and uh, they're, they're very good at that. Um, Welcome Home Sanitarium is a favorite. That's one that I would just love to sing when I used to be able to sing. And um, as a drummer, that's just a lot of fun, too. It's, it's a lot of changes and cool fills, but good power in the last half of it. Uh, just a fun song overall. And I remember in the Cliff Amal video, I think they did they did some concert footage of that one, didn't they? I know they did uh, For Whom the Bell Tolls from Ride the Lightning, but I think they had Welcome Home Sanitarium on there too. Um, Disposable Heroes, man, that song just kicks ass. Absolutely kicks ass. I love the rhythm of it. Uh, the guitar rhythm of it, I should say. Um, really great drum parts too. Very innovative. I love where he's using double bass and where he doesn't. I think his Lars's choices are very... 
uh, interesting. And again, this was like stuff that I had never heard before. So as a drummer, it really piqued my interest. And I played every one of these songs tons of times on my kit. Um, Leper Messiah is another one that's just kind of a fun song. And now that I think about it, it's kind of amazing the combination of fast and slow songs on this album, because it really seems like a very cohesive album. Um, but Leper Messiah is just a fun song. You know, it's got the backing vocals in there and it's just a, like a fun song for a bunch of people to hang out and sing, you know. Um, but my two uh, go-to songs on this album are Orion and Damage Incorporated. I had a job working in a Greek restaurant as a dishwasher and I would go there after school and uh, I would just play those two songs over and over on my Sony Walkman. Yes, this would be around that time. So I had a Sony Walkman that was like, you know, you could still get one at Kmart, so they weren't like outdated or anything. And I would just listen to these two songs uh, as I would walk to work. But I would listen to Orion, I would listen to the beginning of Damage Incorporated, and then I would rewind and listen to the beginning of Damage Incorporated a couple more times because I just love the tones. I love the richness in it. I love those volume swells. It's just amazing what he did on that song. And so this would be in the springtime. And I I remember like I could still smell the the flowers in Michigan because it's a very lush city for uh, vegetation. I, I remember the scent. I remember the the warm breeze as I would uh, get ready to cross the main street to get to the restaurant. Like, like the memories are so vivid. And every time Damage Incorporated comes on, I'm just immediately transported right back to those moments. But it's a great album for me. I mean, definitely something that was a, a huge game changer in my life and an album that I, I just greatly appreciated. But that brings us to Ride the Lightning. And my odd association with Fight Fire with Fire is that there was a place in Michigan that was very similar to Costco. It was called Pace Warehouse. I think it was owned by the same company that owned Dalton Books, but I could be wrong. I know it was owned by somebody. And uh, it might have been Walmart. I can't remember now. But whenever we would go there, I knew it would be just kind of boring. And it was always just blistering hot out in the summer with the humidity and everything. And I would just listen to Fight Fire with Fire on my way. And I would just jam to it, you know, in my head in the store. And it really just helped make that whole shopping experience go a lot faster. So um, it but it's it's another song that just is relentless. It just grips you and, and says you're coming with me and and you're not leaving until this song's over. Love the power of it. Um, Ride the Lightning is another great song. I love the story of this. It reminds me of a book called The Chamber by John Grisham, where he talks about what it would be like to actually be put in the gas chamber and what happens to that person. And I kind of think about that. You know, here's the guy, the character, he's sitting in the chair. He knows he's about to die. And what must be going through his head, the the regrets, the fear, the uh, moments of, all right, you know what, fine, well, let's do this. And then that fear of, is it going to hurt? What happens when you die? Just all these things that would come into your head and really just mess with you. And I love the story. I love that it's being told from that perspective. So great song and great song musically, too, of course. Um, For Whom the Bell Tolls, man, this is just such a, a an amazing song. Um, love the live version on it from that Cliff Amal DVD. Just so powerful. You know, I love the toms. I love the way they sound. They have such a deep, rich tone. And this is another album that I think was just mixed perfectly for this band. I, I couldn't say anything that they should change on it. I think it's flawless from beginning to end. Um, you know, Fade to Black, it might be kind of cliche to like that song now just because it's so well-known and it was so commercially successful. But you know what? It's still a song that I can just put on and listen to. 
But here's where it gets weird. So Fight Fire with Fire, Ride the Lightning, For Whom the Bell Tolls, those are all like summer songs to me. When I think about them, I think about like hotter weather, that sort of thing. Uh, Fade to Black is a winter song. I remember when I first heard it, was in the car, the snow was coming down heavy on the windshield. And so I, I just always have that cold, chilly association with it, you know, uh, not wanting to be in the car when the roads were maybe a little bit dangerous. So I think having a little bit of danger element to a song that's about death might have helped that. But that memory is something that's very solid. Um, ironically, the next song being Trapped Under Ice is a summer song, um, just because that's around the time that I was really into that one. Um, great song. And I, and I have a very visual component of somebody just being, you know, locked under a thick sheet of ice and just pounding and you see a couple of bubbles and the fear in their eyes. Um, it's a very visual song for me, obviously, because I just described it in a visual way. Uh, but a great song nonetheless. Escape is is one of my lesser favorite songs. I was in a band that played it a lot. And I think I kind of got a little bit burnt out on it. But I, I always thought that was the weakest song on the album. It's not a bad song. I just think it's a little bit weaker than the rest of the songs on the album. But it's followed up by Creeping Death, which is just a, an amazing song. In fact, my brother and I did a show. Uh, we didn't have a band name that we thought would work. So we just went with Creeping Death. And um, I think we got kicked out of our location and went had to find another location at the festival to play at. But it all worked out. Uh, but a great song, just the same um, one that I think has. It, it's almost defining for them, too, at this point, you know, the, the power and what they can do in a song and and keep it interesting at the the I, I, I it's not a slow tempo. It's kind of a mid tempo. But, you know, they don't have to be playing at a thousand miles an hour all the time to make great music. And this is a perfect example of that. I think it's a very powerful song, but it's followed up by one of my favorites. This is a go to song so much for me in life. Call of Cthulhu. It's just it just brings me in from the very beginning. I think it's some of Kirk's best solo worker. I should say my favorite. Like when I think I really want to hear a Kirk Hammett solo, this is one of the songs I go right to because it's just fantastic. I love the way he takes an idea and then he builds on it and he builds on it. Just some powerful, amazing playing. And the drums are crazy. I love, this is one song I actually love watching live. I'm not a big live music guy, but I love watching this song because Lars just kind of goes off. You know, he's so in the element of the song and uh, I, I just love watching it. You almost think he's just going to lose it and fall off the stage or something, but he maintains it well enough, you know, but it's uh, definitely a favorite song of mine. Um, I'm just going to brush through a couple of songs on Kill 'Em All because I like the album, but being is that this is the third album I heard after the fantastic production on the other two. Um, it's not as enjoyable, but I appreciate the fact that this was the beginning. I understand why it doesn't sound like the other two albums. Uh, but Hit the Lights is a great opener, um, really gives you that feeling like you're at a concert and they're just taking the stage. Um, I love James's voice on here. He's so, uh, you know, he's singing kind of an upper register sometimes that I think is really interesting. I love his voice. I think he's a great singer. Uh, but The Four Horsemen, now that song is one of my favorites. It really inspired me as a double bass drummer. So that's an important song for me in my career. Motor Breath is just a fun song. Um, it, it's got a good pace to it, a really good tempo. You can't help but to just tap your foot along to it um, or get in a mosh pit, whichever you prefer. But there's a couple songs on this one that are a little bit um, lesser for me. I would say like Jump in the Fire, Phantom Lord, No Remorse. 
those, you know, you see their youth in those songs. You see their inexperience as writers, which is not a bad thing by any means. They're just not as polished as some of the other songs that I was used to hearing. Had I heard this album first, I think I probably would have liked it better if I had, you know, gone through that natural progression of their growth. But I certainly have great appreciation for the album. Um, I think it's fantastic. Metal Militia is a killer song. I'm really glad I got the version that added uh, Am I Evil and Blitzkrieg because I think they're fantastic songs. Great choices for covers, no doubt. But Kill 'Em All overall is a good good album. I do listen to it now and then. Um, it's just not my go-to album, but The Four Horsemen was probably the most important song off of that album for me. That brings us to Garage Days Re-Revisited. Um, Helpless is a killer song. The Small Hours is great, and it really shows the versatility of the band. I think um, the passion that James is singing with, that emotion level in there, is something that he really could do a lot more of. I think he he got it. And thinking of some of the more emotional songs later, like The Unforgiven, he certainly showed signs of that talent, I think, in this song. Uh, the Weight, I absolutely love that song. Uh, I went out and got the Killing Joke version of it and did not like it as much. I don't think the chorus is as powerful. I don't think it drives quite as hard as Metallica's version. But that begs the question, do you like the first version you heard of a song better than the second version, even if the second version was the original? I don't know. I don't know. But I can say that I love Metallica's version. I like Killing Joke's version, but I think Metallica really brought something special there. Crash Course in Brain Surgery is a pretty cool song. Uh, not my favorite, but I love the opening bass. Like, I think that's really cool. Um, there's a there's some good power in this song, some good emotion, but it just isn't one of my favorites. Uh, Last Caress and Green Hell, however, though, led me on a whole excursion. Um, did not know who the Misfits, who Sowen, who Glenn Danzig was. No clue. They weren't on my radar at all. Didn't even know they were a thing. Uh, but once I heard Last Caress and Green Hell, I had to find out who they were. We had a record store up in Denver called Wax Tracks, and they carried a lot of obscure uh, albums and tapes and stuff. So we, my brother and I went up there and we found the uh, Misfits compilation. So that was the first thing that we got. And then we went back up and we got a couple of the other albums like Legacy of Brutality, uh, Earth AD, and just fell in love with that music. And then, of course, uh, got into Samhain. Love those albums, all of them uh, to this day. And then I got into a little bit of Danzig, but he's, his sound was a little cleaner. The whole thing was a little too polished. And so I didn't really get into that so much, but Misfits and, and Samhain for sure. So thank you very much, Metallica, for introducing me to those guys. Uh, absolutely great music. And it's a great, you know, a great five song EP. I'm really glad that they put it out. And that was a great prelude to And Justice for All. Um, another album that I absolutely love. Um, I do have a hard time with the production, but there are other versions out there like the, the Jason bass remix. I can't remember what it was called. Um, I find that a little more palatable to my ear. And, um, I just think that you really get to, to hear the full scope of what was going on. Totally respect the fact that they did not want to remix the album when they reissued it. Um, the album was put out as it was. It's part of history. Brandon and I had quite a conversation about that when he was on my Rai Heat podcast. And I totally get where he's coming from. Um, it's hard for me as an engineer because I want to hear better sound. But I also have that nostalgic feel where, you know what, this is what it is. It was released the way it was. I like that there is another version out there I can choose to listen to. So I'm good with it. Um, but Blackened, what a killer song. What a great way to open an album. Um, one is another one where it really challenged me as a double bass drummer, as it did for so many bass drum players. 
And I'll say real quick um, something that I don't really hear people talking about a lot. But when you listen to the first part of where he's playing the bass drums, it starts and it ends on a snare. That is very common for double bass parts. The challenge really comes in where he just starts that next section on bass, double bass, without having the snare to lead into it. So it's an awkward thing to just start playing the bass drums without that snare to lead into it because you would normally do your first bass drum beat on that snare. So to not have the snare, it makes it a little bit more awkward. But that was the challenge, right? And I had a blast uh, mastering that. It's a great piece of music. I really love Lars's playing on that song. I also really got into the story of it. I found a one of those, uh, what like a VHS rental store. It was a mom and pop shop. They had one copy of Johnny Got His Gun by Dalton Trumbo. Absolutely went mad for the movie. Got the book because it had just been re-released, probably because of Metallica. Donald Trumbo had been banned for years. His books were not printed because of, you know, the propaganda and censorship and all that crap. Um, but I was grateful to read the book. It is such an intense story. I have no doubt that there was some reality to that. Things like that probably did happen during war times. Um, just insane to, to think about it. Very much like the guy in the electric chair, only this was not going to end very quickly. So I really love the subject matter of that. I think they did great making that choice. Um, Shortest Straw, Harvester of Sorrow, these are all such good songs. Love Freight Ends of Sanity. So many different directions that song takes, uh, really keeps it fresh and interesting. To Live Is To Die is okay. Um, not one of my favorites. I don't really listen to that a whole lot, but Dyer's Eve, what a killer concept. Who can't identify with being in some sort of relationship that's oppressive, whether it be parental, uh, dating, friendship, teacher, boss, you know, whatever it is that we've all been there at some point. So whatever it is that you relate those lyrics to, um, it certainly touches probably everybody one way or another. But it's such a great song. I love the the breakneck speed of it. I love the energy that's put into this song. It's really just a fantastic piece of music. Um, so despite my issues with the sound on the album, I think it's a great album. I think it's some incredible writing, some fantastic performances, maybe some of the best stuff, in my opinion, that they've done. They really push themselves into different directions. And, uh, and I love every bit of it. I really do. Even though I said uh, Dyer's Eve is not a song I listen to a lot. I think it's still a fantastic song. It's just not one I'm like, oh my God, I've got to hear this. You know, not like where I'm like, you know what? I really want to hear Blackened right now. I, I just need to hear something powerful and Blackened would be a great choice. So, you know, every song has its moment to shine. But on the whole, I, I really like the album. And just to touch on the Black album a little bit, because like I said, this is kind of where... Um, I started to fall out with music in general where I really wasn't listening to much. So again, nothing against Metallica. I'm not one of those people that said, I don't like the direction they're going. Um, I just didn't really get into it as much because I really wasn't listening to a lot of music. Some of what I've heard I've liked, some of what I've heard I didn't really care for, but certainly when I have time and, and the ability, I would love to go back and check out some of those later albums. Um, but this album I got right when um, I was on my way to do uh, to be an audio engineer at a festival called the Wilderness on Wheels Festival. It was this amazing thing in the Colorado mountains where they have all these trails, but they're designed for handicapped people. So if you're on crutches, if you're in a wheelchair, the paths through the forest are all uh, um, wooded out so that you can move along very seamlessly. You don't have to worry about dirt and hills and mud and all that stuff. It's very well done. And then they have this huge stage. There's these cabins that we all stay in. 
So I was on my way up there. My buddy worked in a record store and I uh, was borrowing some equipment for the show because it was a pretty big event. And um, he said, uh, oh, I got a couple things for you. So he gave me the remastered version of Black Sabbath Born Again. And he gave me the, which was on CD and I only had a cassette player in the car. Uh, and he also gave me the cassette to um, to this album, the Black Album. So I got to hear it and I listened to it just endlessly the whole time I was up at this festival. Whenever I wasn't on, you know, working behind the board, I would be in the cabin listening to this album because it was it just really uh, was something new and, and different for them, really gripped me. Uh, Enter Sandman, no matter how many times I hear that song, it's going to be a very powerful song for me. Love the Tom song sound on this album. Um, I think that uh, Bob Rock did a great job producing it. I loved the year and a half in the Life of Metallica video. Um, I think Bob brought some really interesting stuff to the band. Um, I think it was good for them at the time. I'm, I'm glad that they didn't go too long in that direction because I think it kind of just would have burnt out. But there's some great stuff on this album. Um, I would say The Unforgiven and Nothing Else Matters are great songs, really show the scope of what Metallica can do. But songs like Wherever I May Roam, um, Of Wolf and Man, like those are songs that just really get stuck in my head and I'll just be doing whatever. And all of a sudden, just one of those riffs will creep up. I'm like, what is this song? And then, oh, yeah, yeah, it's from the Black Album. And so they're very powerful, those riffs, when they just come into your mind out of nowhere. And so this is an album that, you know, when I do listen to music, I will get this one out every once in a while. I think the whole thing's great. I think it's very catchy. Um, all the riffs, Don't Tread on Me, My Friend of Misery, all of them, they're they're just great. But for some reason, um, wherever my, I may roam and of Wolf and Men, those two, maybe it's just that, just that drive, that ding, ding, you know, you gotta just feel it, you know, uh, that might be part of it. And, um, but it's, it's a great album. I love that association to this wilderness on wheels event that I went to and, and was a part of, um, such a great time, but it's, it's definitely a band Metallica that has really been a heavy influence to me, really opened up my eyes to the possibility of what could be done musically. And I really appreciate that. I don't know that I wouldn't have found the misfits or sound without them, but they are my gateway to them. And I really appreciate that. Just a fantastic band and um, really grateful that they have sustained all this time. I look forward to seeing what they do next. I love that they just have fun with it now. You know, they're they're playing this, you know, hard edged songs, but they just you just feel that they love doing it. And that to me is one of the most important things It really makes the music come alive for me when I know the band is enjoying it. So thank you guys very much for listening to this episode. Those of you that are still listening. Thank you very much to Brandon for having me on the show. Again, if you guys want to follow any of the things that I'm doing, the hub for everything Scott Haskin is at www.scotthaskin.com. And uh, hopefully that link will be in your show notes. Uh, thank you guys for sharing, uh, you know, the love of Metallica. I think they're a great band. Um, I love people that love good music. So cheers to you. Kudos, guys. Cheers to all. Bye. Fans not experts.